This podcast is intended for healthcare professionals only. Welcome back to another episode of the Diabetes Knowledge into Practice podcast, bringing you news, views and updates in diabetes care. Today's episode is supported by an educational grant from Novo Nordisk AS, who have had no influence on the content or the choice of faculty. I'm Emma, and today we're joined by Professor Peter Rossing for a case study discussion. Professor Rossing is Head of Complications Research at Steno Diabetes Centre Copenhagen, Professor of Endocrinology at the University of Copenhagen, and an author of the ADA EASD Consensus Report on the Management of Hyperglycemia in Type 2 Diabetes. His disclosures are available in the episode notes. So the case we're discussing today is Mr G, who's a 62-year-old man diagnosed with type 2 diabetes 20 years ago. As well as taking basal insulin, which he has done for the past 12 years, he also takes metformin and lisinopril. His HbA1c is currently at 7.2%. His current blood pressure target is 140 over 85, and his in-office blood pressure reads at 139 over 82. He occasionally experiences episodes of nocturnal hyperglycemia and he relies heavily on his wife to help manage these. So firstly, would you suggest any changes to his targets and what do the relevant guidelines recommend around this? Thank you. Uh, Yeah, regarding targets, they should be individualised and you could uh, argue that if you have problems with hypoglycemia, you should not be too strict uh, setting the glycemic target but an alternative solution would, of course, be to try to uh, treat him with a medication that does, does not uh, uh, give him hypoglycemia. He is an insulin which he has received for many years and, and not metformin. And metformin is what we usually recommend as first-line therapy. But nowadays, we have second-line therapy uh, that uh, is probably more powerful uh, than he had been treated with in the past and could have been offered in the past, uh, such as uh, GLP-1 receptor agonist or uh, DBP-4 uh, inhibitors or uh, STLT-2 inhibitors uh, that could reduce glycemia um, in addition or in combination with metformin but without giving hypoglycemia. And in that situation, you could still have a uh, strict uh, glycemic target, uh, but without the concern for hypoglycemia. And likewise, would you suggest any changes to his treatment plan and what are the guideline recommendations around this? Yeah, thank you. I, I, I would certainly suggest, uh, given the problems with hypoglycemia, that it was considered to change therapy. And the guideline would suggest that uh, if we aim for strict glycemia, uh, we should consider his pre-existing cardiovascular uh, and and kidney disease to see if he is in in the group that really should have SGLT2 or GLP-1 receptor agonist. So that that if he had atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease, he should have a GLP-1 receptor agonist or an SGLT2 inhibitor. If he has kidney disease, he should have SGLT2 inhibitor if he has normal kidney function, and if he has impaired kidney function, then he'll probably need a GLP-1 receptor agonist as well to control glucose. And um, finally, if he had heart failure, uh, he should have a uh, SGLT2 inhibitor. And uh, assuming that he doesn't have cardiovascular disease or kidney disease, then uh, still uh, a GLP-1 receptor agonist could be beneficial, 
uh, to avoid hypoglycemia, particularly if he had also obesity, and it could also help getting his blood pressure uh, a little bit down because current blood pressure levels could be uh, optimized a little bit. Um, so, um, GLP-1 receptor agonist, uh, or if he has preserved kidney function, SDLT2 could help reduce glycemia without giving uh, the the um, uh, hypoglycemia he's currently uh, dealing with. And um, you could say a GLP-1 would probably be the most potent in terms of lowering uh, glycemia. So it depends a little bit on how much insulin he's receiving. So Mr. G is reluctant to alter his treatment regimen, having been comfortable taking the same thing for a long time. So he continues taking his insulin plus metformin. Six months later, he returns to the clinic. His wife has unfortunately died recently and he feels more vulnerable from his nocturnal hyperglycemic episodes, which seem to have worsened. His HbA1c is 7.5% and he seems more open to altering his treatment plan. So what changes do you recommend that he makes to his plan, if any? Yeah, I would certainly discuss with him uh, to to change either to an SGLT2 inhibitor or GLP-1 receptor agonist uh, instead of insulin. Uh, Given that he is already on insulin, he would be familiar with uh, injections. So uh, a weekly injection should actually be a relief uh, if he uh, prefers that. and uh, depending on where he is, uh, uh, the the oral uh, GLP-1 receptor agonist is also available uh, many places uh, as an alternative, uh, but an alternative which you have to take as a tablet every day in the morning on empty stomach. Uh, so uh, for some patients, that's preferable if you would like to avoid injections. But given that he has been taking injections for, for years, he might be a candidate that that would uh, actually prefer a weekly injection of a GLP-1 receptor agonist. So I think that would be uh, what I would discuss with him. Um, uh, and, uh, and, and, and shift the insulin into a GLP-1 receptor agonist, particularly if he also has obesity. And as we discussed before, if, if his blood pressure is still uh, uh, slightly elevated. And if starting a new therapy, what advice do you give him around initiating it? Yeah, it's important, of course, uh, to to discuss that the GLP-1 receptor agonist will reduce his appetite a bit and uh, uh, that he should, of course, uh, um, increase the dose slowly to avoid this effect and he should be advised to have rather many small meals than, than a few very large uh, meals. Uh, and uh, I think that's uh, some, let's say, newly widowed men uh, might uh, uh, might actually not be very good at eating. So so that's a discussion which is important to have. And if, if that was a, a problem for him or if he was uh, underweight, uh, then, of course, GLP-1 might not be the ideal candidate then SGLT2 or DBP4 inhibitor could be alternative uh, strategies uh, to treat him. Um, but particularly if he had atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease, then GLP-1 receptor agonist would be um, preferred. So six months later, he returns having received a diagnosis of chronic kidney disease with an EGFR of 55. 
So what considerations or changes should be made for his treatment plan? Yeah, uh, in addition to measuring EGFR or kidney function, we should also measure kidney damage and, and assess his albuminuria. Uh, but having CKD or chronic kidney disease uh, makes it important that he also is treated with an SGLT2 inhibitor. The SGLT2 inhibitor will probably not be very effective in lowering his glucose but will protect his kidney from loss of kidney function and also prevent uh, mortality and, and uh, cardiovascular events in patients with diabetes and chronic kidney disease. So an SGLC2 inhibitor should be on board. The GLP-1 receptor agonist he started uh, is still a good uh, agent to lower glucose, and it works on glucose independent of the level of uh, kidney function And furthermore, uh, it has been demonstrated that GLP-1 receptor agonists have um, cardioprotective or cardioprotective effects uh, in people with chronic kidney disease. And there are also a lot of suggestions that they may have uh, kidney uh, protective uh, benefits, and that's being addressed in ongoing trials uh, to see if Uh, treating with a GLP-1 receptor agonist, as we have seen with the SGLT2 inhibitors, can reduce progression of uh, kidney disease. We have seen in many studies that it prevents albuminuria and uh, also some suggestions that it preserves kidney function in, in cardiovascular outcome trials. And do you have any other comments that you think are important to bear in mind for this case? Well, it's of course important that we continue to monitor his kidney function, his blood pressure, and his other cardiovascular risk factors like lipids, uh, because having uh, chronic kidney disease and diabetes puts him at high cardiovascular risk, uh, as well as a risk for for, for uh, further loss of kidney function. And uh, with declining uh, kidney function, it may be a, a good idea to reduce metformin, Generally, it is advised to reduce the dose to half when GFR is in the range of 30 to 60 and to stop when GFR becomes less than 30 because of the risk for lactic acidosis. Um, and um, there would be a, a trend to a higher risk for uh, increasing blood pressure and also a higher risk for uh, hypoglycemia uh, if he had been still on, on, for instance, insulin. But if he is treated with uh, metformin in reduced dose with an SGLT2 inhibitor and GLP-1 receptor agonist, he's uh, given both uh, cardiac and and renal protection uh, as well as management of his glucose Uh, additional uh, medication, uh, diuretics, uh, or calcium channel blockers might be useful to control his blood pressure if if uh, that is increasing. And and finally, uh, he should uh, most likely also have, uh, and he should have had that uh, from the beginning probably, uh, a statin uh, to lower cholesterol, uh, as most patients with diabetes, particularly with uh, chronic kidney disease, would have elevated uh, cholesterol levels. And the TLB1 receptor agonist uh, can be continued down to uh, low levels of, of kidney function uh, and, and generally uh, without uh, a change in, in side effects uh, profile. So that should be okay. 
And finally, what do you think is the key takeaway message for clinicians to implement in their practice here? Key message is uh, we should be concerned of hypoglycemia and we should be aware that modern treatments can lower glucose without inducing hypoglycemia. So in most cases, uh, there's a possibility of treating glucose uh, with these agents without inducing hypoglycemia, uh, as uh, we have seen as a major side effect of uh, insulin therapy and, of course, also of uh, sulfonylurea uh, treatment. So there are options like GLP-1 receptor agonists, like SGST2 inhibitors, that provide a reduction in glucose without hypoglycemia. And the other important aspect is, of course, that we need to assess cardiorenal uh, risk uh, in our patients with diabetes before starting these uh, agents or before starting any diabetes uh, intervention, as SGLT2 inhibitors and GLP-1 receptor agonists should really be on board as part of therapy in people with these uh, cardiorenal uh, complications, because we have seen not only the glucose benefit, but also organ protective benefits of these medications. Uh, so they protect the kidney, they protect the heart, and in addition, lower glucose. This brings us to the end of the episode. If you enjoyed the episode, please leave us a review or rating to help other people find us. And you can subscribe on your favourite app. You can stay up to date by following us on Twitter or LinkedIn. And you can find links to these in the episode notes, as well as a link to our brand new Diabetes Knowledge into Practice website, where you can find all the previous episodes of the podcast, as well as other free educational resources in diabetes, including short animated videos explaining recent publications and Congress highlights. We look forward to joining you next time.